This past week, the world has watched an American tragedy unfold. Gabby Petito and her fiancé Brian Laundrie were a young couple who seemed to have it all. An enduring love for each other and a longing for adventure. A road trip in their little van across the United States. Like so many others, they also had a desire to show off their idyllic and carefree lives on YouTube and Instagram. But now we know the postcard images and million-dollar smiles were hiding an ugly and murderous truth. And it's one that raises a difficult question. Could Gabby Petito have been saved? Hello, hello, and good morning. (laughs) It is really nice and sunny today. Anyone watching these videos would believe Gabby Petito was in awe of the life she'd created for herself. It's only 10 o'clock in the morning, um, but it rained all afternoon yesterday. And why not? Young, beautiful and in love with her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, it looked like the perfect existence. She was being herself. She was doing what she knew how to do. She was so excited to be on this new journey. Budding social media stars Gabby and Brian's ambition was to share every detail of their idyllic lives with as many followers as possible. But away from the smiles and sunsets, there was a much darker reality. I never expected that that this would take so many twists and turns. Gabby Petito never goes outside. Now, Gabby is dead. Brian's missing and wanted by police. And the whole world is watching, trying to figure out where this all went so terribly wrong. This relationship, it's not just toxic, it's not unhealthy, it's abusive. It's a murder in slow motion. Hey, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Crime Analyst and the Intelligence Cell. In this new investigative series, you're going to ride shotgun with me as I deep dive Gabby Petito's case from a behavioural, investigative and preventative perspective. Now, Gabby's case, and it is Gabby's case, not the Brian Laundry case, Gabby's case received both national and international attention. People all around the world were consumed with it on social media, and many podcasters and news outlets spent a lot of time covering Gabby's case. It's a case that drew thousands of tips from the public and engaged law enforcement agencies across the country. Now, you might feel that there's nothing more to say that hasn't already been said, but I disagree with that. I feel there's much more to learn, and I want to honour Gabby, as always, in that process. And I also want to start my series by paying tribute to Gabby's family, who not only shared their lives in the media at the very worst time in their lives, but they've also gone on to found the Gabby Petito Foundation to help others. They're truly remarkable and amazing, and so selfless. For me, it speaks volumes about the young woman that they raised and brought up. More on that to come. Also, just to say that before diving in and deconstructing Gabby's case, I intentionally started episodes about missing and murdered Indigenous women as part of my learning curve too. We've heard so little about all the women and girls of colour who went missing before Gabby, 
And some of the cases that I've talked about in the previous episodes, well, they're still unsolved. Their families are heartbroken and they want to know what happened. And Joe Petito said it was important that other missing women and girls should be afforded the same level of attention as Gabby, which is absolutely true. We can all do much more to give a voice to the voiceless and spotlight cases on podcasts and through our own social media accounts, as well as pressure mainstream media to cover them. I have to say, I was so impressed with Joe Petito for being so incredibly humble and demonstrating such humility at a time when he and his family were in the midst of their own chaos, crisis and trauma, with Gabby herself missing. And I too have spoken about Gabby's case before, as it was still unfolding. I had just had my little guy, Rafi, and I was consumed by it too. I talked about Gabby's case on my other podcast, Royal Crime Profile, with Jim and Lisa, and I also did an interview on 60 Minutes Australia, as the case was still live and unfolding. In fact, the clip you heard at the top of this episode, well, that was from that interview. It was a couple of weeks after I gave birth, and I went to a hotel in LA with my little guy and Umberto in tow, and we recorded my thoughts and analysis there. The interview aired on September the 26th, 2021, before a lot was known for definite. Now I want to go back. I want to go right back to the start and reinvestigate and re-examine everything that we now know. The dust has settled and the case has concluded. But have we really learned from Gabby's case? That's a rhetorical question, by the way, but you can answer it in your heads. I really don't feel we have, and I'm going to explain more throughout this series. I'm also going to reveal to you what I saw the first time round when I watched the police body-worn camera footage as the case was still unfolding. And I'm going to explain why I said the things that I did at the time. My insight and analysis and expert opinion and the reasoning behind it. And I'm going to reveal my new analysis, as the second body-worn camera footage has also been released, as well as my thoughts about the independent review of Moab Police's response to the call-out. You're going to hear all the new information here on Crime Analyst. That's why you tune in, after all, to hear expert analysis and insight, not just the retelling of a horrific story for clicks and downloads. That's what makes Crime Analyst different from other podcasts. I have a clear purpose and mission. As a criminal behavioural analyst, an expert in domestic abuse and coercive control, as well as risk assessment and homicide, and with my background having set up New Scotland Yard's Homicide Prevention Unit, I believe that it's important to revisit cases and put everything we know together from an expert and professional point of view. It's important to do this for the learning for future cases. It might just save a life. And I've always said, if it saves one person, then it's worth it. That was the starting point for me setting up the Homicide Prevention Unit at New Scotland Yard. Commander Andre Baker, Head of Homicide, and Deputy Assistant Commissioner John Grieve said the same and felt the same way too. We were way ahead of our time, and perhaps that's a story for another time. I may have left New Scotland Yard, but I've never stopped doing the work. People have said to me over the years that I'm obsessed, and I guess I'm guilty as charged. And as you know, it's my mission on Crime Analyst to understand the what, the where, the when, the how, the why, and the whom, to provide analysis and key insight about the red flag behaviours in order to learn the lessons regarding the intervention and prevention opportunities in order to change and save lives. That's always been my focus. 
I've spent 26 years of my career profiling cases, mostly women killed by men, because unfortunately that's the nature of the beast. The beast being male violence. And I've wanted to share the lessons with others. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey, lovely. What's your makeup go-to? What do you need to face the day? Now for me, if I apply my eyeliner, my brilliant eye brightener, mascara and red lipstick, I feel ready to face anything. But I know every now and again, I need to zhuzh up my makeup and my amazing sponsor Thrive Cosmetics has a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look. With clean, skin-loving ingredients, their foolproof products make it easy for any skill level to apply. Also, Thrive Cosmetics' Bigger Than Beauty mission is amazing. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. I love that Thrive Cosmetics supports domestic violence victims, breast cancer survivors, and women who are homeless. Now, if you want to wreck from me, you cannot go wrong with the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara has a unique formula which creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. And they use nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger and healthier looking lashes over time. Plus, it's super easy to remove and slides right off with warm water and doesn't leave smudges. So treat yourself or someone you love and help women thrive together. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash crimeanalyst. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash crimeanalyst for 10% off your first order. Also, when I first talked about Gabby's case, Gabby was missing, and then so too was Brian. People talked about him being missing, but I said straight off the bat that he wasn't missing. Gabby going missing and then Brian going missing were two very different animals. I opined early on that Brian had disappeared himself. He had taken himself off, having returned from an adventure of a lifetime with the so-called love of his life, his fiancée Gabby, and he'd returned on his own without any explanation as to Gabby's whereabouts. Well, not to Gabby's family, or the police at least. We don't know what he said to his own family. Only they know that, of course, and they chose not to share it. According to Gabby's parents, Brian and his family failed to return any of their calls. I just want to say that that must have been so agonising, angry-making and frustrating. As a new parent, I can't even imagine how that must have felt, knowing that Brian held the key, but was withholding. And then his mother, Roberta, 
and his father Christopher, they were withholding too. Suffice to say, that's a huge red flag, particularly as I established that he had returned in the white van, a white van that was Gabby's, and that there had previously been a police call-out, a domestic violence call-out involving Gabby and Brian. With Brian now missing, lots of people speculated about what had happened to him and what the final outcome in the case would be. For me, I already knew what the most likely outcome would be. It was only going to end one of two ways, but both of them would be determined and controlled by Brian. It was either going to be a suicide by cop case, or Brian would take his own life. But I kept hearing people say Brian was too narcissistic to end his own life. And I have to say, I don't like it when this term is bandied around by those unqualified to use it. And I didn't agree with this popular opinion either. In fact, I opined in my 60 Minutes Australia interview and in conversations with others that Brian would most likely end his own life. And we now know for sure that this was in fact the outcome. On October the 20th, 2021, Brian's remains were found in the Myakahachi Creek Environmental Park in Northport Park, Florida. A medical examiner concluded that Brian died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Investigators found a notebook, a backpack and a revolver near Brian's remains. Contained within the notebook was a written confession that Brian killed Gabby, just as I had opined much earlier. So how did Gabby and Brian get to this place? How and why did it all go so wrong? Across this series, I'm going to share with you my expert analysis and insight, including my initial analysis of the police stop, Gabby's behavior, Brian's behavior, and a breakdown of the attending law enforcement officer's response, as well as why I opined early on that Brian would take his own life. And I'll set that against what we now know. Okay, let's get started. I'm going to start first with the victimology, and then I'll go through my entry point into the case, the police body-worn camera footage. And as I said before, I'll share with you what I understood at that time from watching it. But first, let's talk about Gabby, about who she was, what she was like from the other side of the camera. Gabrielle Petito was 22 years old when she disappeared. She was born in Blue Point, New York on March the 19th, 1999. Her parents, Nicole and Joe, married young and they separated when Gabby was little. And what's apparent is that Gabby got on very well with her stepfather Jim and her stepmother Tara, who Joe went on to marry. Here's a clip from 60 Minutes Australia of her mum, Nicole Schmidt, and stepdad Jim Schmidt and her dad Joe Petito talking about Gabby. They're the people who knew her best and loved her the most. And you'll also hear from Gabby and Brian themselves too. Everybody sees the pictures of her out there as an adult, but when I close my eyes and I think of her, I still remember that little blonde hair, bright blue eyed uh, little girl with her hair up in, you know, ponytails and always smiling no matter what. And what was Gabby like growing up? <laughs> uh, a spitfire. She did a lot. She was very busy. She loved her friends. She always had a bunch of friend groups. She enjoyed school and she was a beautiful artist, brilliant artist, um, just so talented. Growing up, Gabby was the center of a happily blended family. Mum Nicole and stepdad Jim in one home, stepmum Tara and father Joe 
in another. Her laughter. Those damn eyes, too. <sighs> Couldn't keep her in trouble with those eyes. It was the worst. Trying to keep her grounded was the worst. So unfair. But her laughter was so infectious. Her smile was so infectious. She was happy. Genuinely happy. She's like, yeah, come on, let me show you this. She'd want to take you. Let's go, jump in the car. Let's, let's, let's just go for a ride. We'll check it out. We'll go to the beach. Um, just, just listen to the ocean. Look at the waves. Look at the sand. Watch the sunrise, watch the sunset, you know. Um, that's what she was. Inspired by adventure, no one in her family was surprised when in July Gabby quit her job and announced she was setting off in her little white van for a trip across America. And the 22-year-old wasn't just going to live her dream, she was going to share it too. Hello, hello, and good morning. <laughs> it is really nice and sunny today. The wannabe social media star invited the whole world to tag along for the ride. I love the van. But it wasn't just Gabby her followers got to know. By her side, through it all, was her fiancé, Brian Laundrie. We've been lucky so far at all the places we've stayed, but I'd say this is one of the best so far. Since we left New York, I've only set up my hammock once, <laughs> and now we're all the way in Utah, and luckily enough, I was able to set up my hammock in one of these trees. And we're kind of like in the desert. <laughs> Very few trees. <laughs> in Brian, Gabby thought she'd found a free-spirited soulmate. Now, you just heard Nicole and Jim describe Gabby as a spitfire. She was bright and bubbly. And Joe, her father, said that she was a happy person, an adventurer, an explorer, and a doer. And then she met Brian Laundrie. Well, this is what her mum, Nicole, said about that. When did Gabby first meet Brian? Uh, they were friends in high school. So they've known each other for quite a few years. And when did they become a couple? 2019-ish. Yeah, it was after high school. Yeah. They kind of, yeah. like, reconnected again. And... Uh, started hanging out and dating and... It happened pretty quickly, um, but, you know, he seemed fine. I don't know, he was very polite and quiet. So in your mind, she was heading on this trip across America with the right kind of guy, someone that she was in safe hands with? Absolutely, yeah. Gabby and Brian met at Bayport Blue Point High School in Long Island, New York, when she was a sophomore and he was a junior. Gabby dated Brian in school. They were high school sweethearts. They then split up for several months after Brian graduated, but they eventually got back together when Gabby finished high school the following year, around 2019. Friends who knew both of them at the time said that their relationship was very much on-off. It was full of real highs and also real lows. One minute they were really into each other and the next they weren't talking. Now, side note, that always concerns me when I hear something like that. Or perhaps you might hear descriptors like, it was a volatile relationship, or tumultuous, or stormy. Always ask people what they mean when they use these words to characterise a relationship. You see, that's potential red flag territory right there. You have to ask more questions about that when you see it happening or you hear someone talk about a relationship in those terms. And it's also really important to find out how people met. So after Gabby's graduation, the pair ultimately decided against going to college and instead moved in with Brian's parents, Roberta and Christopher Laundrie, in Bayport, Florida. It's interesting that she chose to live with them. 
Or did she choose? Was there a discussion? Or was it just something that Brian said that she must do? Well, the fact that she did go and live with his family, in doing so, she's removed from her family and friends. And of course, isolation can happen inadvertently. And isolation is another red flag. And it's something to always ask questions about. Nagabi found work as a pharmacy technician and a waitress. Hard graft was my written note about that. The fact that she's working two jobs to save money to go travelling, well, that paints a picture. And whilst Gabby was working, Brian apparently sold his watercolour paintings and digital artwork. Well, when I checked out his artwork on his Instagram account, now his account has since been taken down, but I remember thinking, and I know that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I was underwhelmed, quite frankly. And that's an understatement of what I really thought. His artwork was dark and disturbing. And I wasn't convinced that he was such a successful artist that he was making a living from it. But I may be proven wrong, so let me know if you know any differently. And just to point out a BGO, a blinding glimpse of the obvious here, but Brian was still living at home. Maybe he didn't have to pay rent, and perhaps his family were soft with him, and he didn't have to work or pay rent, so he didn't need money. But Gabby and Brian were supposed to be saving up to travel, so where was his money coming from? Also, I noted that Nicole, Gabby's mum, well, she said that Gabby was the talented artist. So it's interesting that he was painting rather than working, and Gabby seemed to be grafting hard to make money, whilst he was painting and, in inverted commas, following his passion. Nice. This, to me, seems like an imbalance in the relationship, and I suspect it was financially and economically weighted one way. Gabby making the money to afford the van and the trip and Brian following his passion and going along for the ride. You see, I'm not confident that he was bringing too much to the party, and I may be being unfair, but I'm calling it as I see it. Nevertheless, Brian proposed to Gabby, and she said yes. And so by July 2020, they were engaged, according to one of Gabby's Instagram posts from July the 2nd. Underneath a picture of a close-up of their faces and them eating sushi, the caption read... Here's a picture from our first date because I have so much love for you. Sushi emoji. Brian asked me to marry him and I said yes! Exclamation point. You make life feel unreal and every day is such a dream with you. And that was followed by a white heart emoji and hashtag sunshine on the beach, hashtag fiancé. Now I'm used to seeing grand declarations of love, particularly with proposals and engagements on social media. That's the norm, accompanied by beautifully posed proposal pictures. And for someone like Gabby, who was into social media and posting beautiful pictures, this wasn't that. It was a little underwhelming, and there's no mention of a ring or the actual proposal itself, and there's no I love you. But maybe, playing devil's advocate, maybe she, they wanted to keep it quiet. But to me, it feels like a proposal that may not have been planned or thought through. Gabby posted other details of her life, but not this. It seems at odds. Perhaps she wasn't sure about it. Perhaps it was a little underwhelming. Or perhaps they simply agreed not to share it. It's an intimate moment after all, and not everyone wants to share absolutely everything. And that's okay too, of course. It's interesting to me that it was exactly one year before they started their cross-country trip that Gabby announced her engagement to Brian on IG. 
Also, my observation from her IG is that 2019 is not full of pictures of them together. They did in fact travel together before the big cross-country trip in 2021, but it's more pictures of Gabby in old Colorado City, North Carolina, Colorado Springs, and then there's a California trip on October the 23rd, 2019, and the pictures that we now have all seen of the Santa Monica Pier and Brian and Gabby together. So there were pictures of her and Brian in March 2020 in California. However, there are not many pictures of them together. They also travelled in a little Nissan Sentra. So they obviously got the travel bug and they wanted more. So when the COVID pandemic struck in March 2020, Gabby and Brian decided to put their engagement on hold because apparently they couldn't have the wedding that they wanted. Gabby put her dream plan into action inspired by van life and YouTubers and others. And I'm going to talk specifically about her IG pictures, but the point I want to make here is that Brian proposed in a short space of time. In other words, it was a whirlwind romance and proposal, and someone wanting to rush a relationship along. Well, the whirlwind is another red flag. Can you see how the red flags are starting to line up, waving in the wind? And I have to say, I got the sense the proposal was not thought through, it was possibly impulsive, and that this was a young man desperate to hold on to a young woman who had dreams and ambition, and who was going places. Literally, and metaphorically, a young woman who was somewhat above his station in terms of energy, beauty, vibe, and her ambition and motivation, and I'll explain more as I continue. Having studied Gabby's IG and Gabby's first ever post on July the 16th, 2014 from Davis Park, Fire Island, a beautiful photo of the ocean and the beach, that really set the tone that travelling was Gabby's vibe and dream. And that would be the first of many posts from Gabby, on the move, travelling in different locations. And from these posts, I see a young woman bristling with energy, smiley, curious about life, seeking adventure and new experiences, testing out the world. A young woman who's vibrant, happy, and with a cheeky sense of humour, scaling peaks in Colorado, eating at Flower Child in Santa Monica, and playing on the beach and the pier, enjoying the street art in Hollywood, cruising Big Sur, Monterey and Santa Cruz, and up to Yosemite National Park and beyond. It's funny, I feel she was so close I could almost reach out and touch her. She's taken so many similar pictures that I have, and I can see that she was just as in awe of Yosemite as I am every time I visit. Perhaps many of you feel the same way too. Perhaps you've also been to some of the places she has. Perhaps you've taken some of those same pictures in exactly the same spots. I think that's also why so many people are affected by Gabby's case. She's relatable in so many ways, as she's put herself out there too in her pictures and her videos, and we can feel her spirit, her joie de vivre in these images and places, and her excitement to experience the world. She wrote of Yosemite, whilst gliding along in the mountains, feels like I'm on another planet here. And next she posted photos of Vegas, then more pictures of beaches at Big Sur, along the Pacific Coast Highway, or the PCH as it's known here for short. Pictures of Gabby jumping with her hands flung high above her head in sheer delight and carefree abandonment on a beautiful beach along the Californian coast. The caption reads, soaking up the end of this decade in the sun. It's hard to know exactly where she was at the time of posting this. 
For those of you who've travelled this route, and I have many times, you're really spoilt for choice along the PCH. And the pictures are stunning, not just because of the beach location, but also because of Gabby. It's her life and energy bursting through the gram in this 2019 trip. She really looks like she had a blast. In all the pictures, it's her smiling, beaming with joy, having fun exploring and playing to camera, just as her father Joe described her bursting with life. Next, she's in San Francisco and back to Los Angeles, messing around at Melrose Avenue, posing in front of angel wings for the second time on her IG. And I can't help but feel sad, as it's almost like foreshadowing of what's to come. And the last Cali picture posted was on March the 17th, 2020. It's of a sunglass Gabby, half smiling, with her left arm casually flung around Brian's neck at the beach with the ocean and pier in the background. And underneath the caption reads, One whole year's worth of adventures and stories down and a lifetime to go. Followed by the emoji of two glasses of champagne and a star emoji. Now it's interesting to me that Brian wasn't tagged into the picture and I don't see any comment from him. And it does look like he was with her across the whole trip, but Gabby chose not to post many pictures of him, bar that one. The next pictures are of Gabby holding two balloons, one in the shape of a two and the other in the shape of a one. It was her 21st birthday on March 19th, 2020. And the pictures that she posted after that, well, I've already talked about the July 2nd, 2020 post, the close headshot of Gabby and Brian eating their sushi on their first date. And as I said, there's no picture of a ring. Also, Brian's IG account no longer exists, so I can't check and see what he posted. But what I recall, I think there was a picture of them and Gabby wearing a long blue dress. Also, what popped out at me was on January the 11th, 2021, when there was a post and a caption that read, Been listening to Morbid Podcast all morning, and I'm obsessed. Maybe Happy Flower Girl Gabby was a true crime fan. And other dates that jumped out at me, when on March 27th, 2021, Gabby's 22nd birthday, they went hiking on the Appalachian Trail in Georgia, and there's a picture of them camping. And on the year anniversary of their engagement, July 2nd, 2021, Gabby and Brian leave on a month-long road trip from her mother's home. They're now in the world-famous modified and converted white 2021 Ford Transit van. And I'm going to continue to tell you about Gabby's life through the lens of her IG. This is, after all, what she chose to put out into the world, and I'm going to analyse the content and tell you how I see it. And I hope that by doing this, it will help you identify the red flags and see what I see. You see, on the surface, things aren't always what they seem. Now, that might be regarding your own relationship, or it might be regarding somebody else's. And you never know what you've heard here. Well, it might just save a life. But you'll have to wait until next week. So until then, be safe, be curious, ask questions, and always trust your instinct. Here's my final two cents before the episode wraps. 
If you like what I do, please take two minutes to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to Crime Analyst or on the website www.crime-analyst.com. It really helps others find me and also helps with the ratings. Crime Analyst is written, produced and hosted by me, Laura Richards. Sound engineering by Jason Sheasley at Abridged Audio. Cover art and graphics by Chris Rowbottom at Syndicate and music by Kilrood. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.